everybody. We're the Consumer Technology Association. I'm Tyler Suders. We are the owners and the producers of CES, the largest, the most influential tech event on the planet. We are here to help you get CES ready. The show is January 7th through the 10th, 2020, as always in Las Vegas. And today we are talking about a key emerging technology, digital health. Yes, a big, broad topic. Remote monitoring, diagnostic solutions, digital therapeutics, predictive analytics, it's all there. And CES is the only venue where this entire digital health ecosystem comes together in just one place. And oh yeah, healthcare professionals, you can earn continuing medical education credits by attending our conference programming there at CES, but that may be for another day. Today, we are talking with two exciting voices at very different ends of the digital health spectrum, at least in one sense. We are talking to the CEO and co-founder of Neofect. You may not know the company's name now, but there is a very compelling story behind this founder's reason for being in the digital health space. It's a story that you will find personal, and I get the feeling you're gonna be Googling Neofect soon to check out exactly what they're all about. Also, we're talking to a leading health and well-being company. This is a major brand that you will recognize, and a relatively newly created position. This started just last year. We are talking to their chief digital health and analytics officer. All of that is coming up on this edition of CES Tech Talk. Heather Cox is joining us now from Humana. She is Chief Digital Health and Analytics Officer. Heather, welcome. Glad to have you here in studio with us. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. So this is still a relatively new role for you, so I don't think it's too late to say congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, a good indication of Humana's growing emphasis on data-driven digital health benefits. Yes, exactly. And um, I joined Humana just uh, almost a year ago, not quite yet. Uh, but uh, the idea here was to really take an, a focus around uh, true digital and, and data and, and analytics and really putting an emphasis on not only the experience, but analytics driving the experience. And I really appreciate the way Bruce Broussard, our CEO, uh, really thought about this along with the management team. Um, really not only saying digital is important, but actually attaching the deep analytics along with it, uh, really focusing on this like a health tech company would. And when you, uh, when you peel this thing back, when you look at my organization, it really is like a startup, a health tech startup. So that's an interesting tack to take, especially for CES-related audience, right? Um, let's back out for a moment then, Heather, and talk about Humana overall. Um, some of the key language I know that the, your company uses to describe itself in this space, um, supporting an integrated care delivery model, um, ongoing work to develop differentiated healthcare experiences. Now we can parse all those words together. But the summation is Humana sees the benefits and the potential for the possibilities of tech and healthcare, digital health. Yeah, it's it's important. Um, people think of Humana as an insurance company, mm -hmm. um, but we actually really feel that we're more about integrated healthcare. And um, we're really trying to make the pivot as we want to be a health partner and we want to be a technology company delivering health care. And insurance is an important part of what we do, but it's the financing vehicle behind it all. 
And we want to be here in a world of aging and longevity. We want to be that partner who can help you live a better, healthier life. And we see technology is the vehicle helping us deliver that. And so what are we going to do to help you find those insights to help you um, be there to, to dance at your granddaughter's wedding? And what are we going to do to help you show up at that baseball game next spring? And, you know, we are focused uh, on, on helping seniors. We're in the Medicare Advantage business. And so um, taking care of what could be a very uh, vulnerable population, if we're not careful, um, is really important to us. And so helping you uh, through the use of teaching you how to use technology to, to, to help you find better ways to live, it, it's a really exciting place to be. And so um, things like what we call telehealth and and uh, and remote monitoring and and wellness and being is is really important to us and and technology and and those digital signals that can exist in, in a different way is, is what we're all about and so digital health is is the next frontier for us mm -hmm. and um, Studio H which uh, we founded up and and our first location is up in Boston mm -hmm. uh, and what we're building up there is a really important part of our future. Well let's dive into that. Uh, Studio H sounds like a YouTube channel right <laughs> to some degree but Humana Studio H was announced just last year uh, a center for digital health and analytics and this is a place where Again, that startup feel, Heather, really seems to, to, to be tangible where you're, you're pioneering new products and new services. Um, where are you when you're in and what does Humana Studio H stand for in your mind? So we were very intentional in the naming and, um, and what it's all about. It's the next evolution of Humana. And uh, it's Studio H, uh, underscore H, kind of that compute language. Uh, <laughs> and But it's not too far from our brand because uh, we want to be connected to Humana, but we also want to show a stake in the ground for the next evolution of Humana. And uh, Boston, it was very deliberate uh, choice in that uh, it's also an important part of the, the future of medicine and the future of, of health. And when you look at Boston and um, the academia, the investment and uh, the medicine and healthcare and what all they represent in kind of the future of, of health in the U.S., I think it's a really important stake in the ground for our company. And, and a real talent pool there yeah, as well. Yeah, without question. Right? Um, and we have ramped up our talent very quickly there since we announced last August. We are close to 70 new hires up in Boston. And so we're super excited about that. We're moving into our new new space in Seaport, uh, September third. So uh, beautiful new space, and so for uh, any engineers, software engineers, data scientists, designers, we would uh, welcome you to uh, join us. Um, but uh, we are uh, going to hire up to three hundred and fifty people there in uh, in Seaport over the next few years. So we're super excited. All right, that was a recruiting pitch alert. Just, if you're I, not paying close enough it. attention, to everyone. It, so. yeah. <laughs> no, with, with good reason. Um, Talk about this transition, if you would, Heather, about becoming a health company, an insurance company, but also a technology company. Uh, we, we love to say it, and everyone can sing along with me. Every company today is or needs to be a technology company, right? Yeah. So um, how is it that Humana is embracing that in, in, in a tangible way beyond just you know, the, the, this, this cutting-edge studio in Boston? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a corporate transition, I'd imagine, starting at the top. Yeah, so... I can kind of point to a few tangible things, right? Mm -hmm. So um, 
If you were to ask me what is my number one priority, how about AI, AI, AI? So artificial <laughs> intelligence um, and the real commercial application of it at scale. So what, what's behind that? Then it's you know data, data, data. Well, what's behind that? We are a cloud first company, mm -hmm. and so um, you know making that real transition. It's it's a tough it's a tough transition in that we are a healthcare company. When you start talking about um, PHI, right? We have to really be careful about how we handle people's personal health information. Um, and there are, you know, real ramifications. I come from financial services. I understand that, right? We have really sensitive data that we're working with. Um, and, um, but we're going to take care of that data and we're going to do amazing things because we want to get to a place where we can not only um, bring to you personalized, contextualized experiences, but we can also create better health outcomes. And in order to do that, um, we have got to get to a place where we can have that commercial application of artificial intelligence because those those predictive outcomes are going to save lives and they're also going to prevent um, they're going to prevent the decline of the health outcomes and this is a really important pivot in in where we're headed and um, and if we're going to have that opportunity to let you. Um, dance at your granddaughter's wedding. We've got to get to a place where um, if you've been diagnosed with a pretty tough situation, we've got to find ways to help you. Um, and uh, getting to getting to the cloud where we can have that compute power, where we can create the machine learning models that can help you um, live at your home longer, live with your family in a healthier way. Um, we got to get there. Yeah, let's walk down that road a little bit. Um, and we'll start by taking a look at the big old sign post that's, that's sitting right here. In AI and healthcare and the predictive analytics aspect of it, where are we today just with, with, within your scope, Heather? What is AI giving you and giving Humana right now? So we have, um, at smaller scale, um, we've been able to implement some great applications um, more in where I would call it the consumer application. So call it in our contact centers, um, call it in, you know, the application of um, applications and and in the acquisition of customers mm -hmm. and how we manage the interactions, less so in where we've been able to actually apply it in health outcomes. So more efficiencies so internally, it's, You right, got it. Right. And so the, the robotics aspects, um, so that's great. Now we got to apply it in, in health outcomes. And so um, we've got a ways to go. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to the next intersection. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat this analogy to death, yep. I apologize. Um, going a little further down, let's say, three to five years. Yeah. Um, very hard to predict something that's evolving as exponentially quickly as, as AI, but what are you hoping for at that point? Let's say it's 2025. Uh, 2025, what I'm hoping for, um, how about this? How about, how, how about my big, hairy, audacious goal? I'm hoping for um, every one of our interactions with our members are driven by a long, their longitudinal record mm -hmm. and that we have that longitudinal record populated with all types of data, whether it's their clinical data, their member data, um, their interaction data. So call that their image, their voice interactions, their I, everything. I want that longitudinal record to exist across every type of interaction they've had, clinical or otherwise. Um, that is an insane goal. Um, but we're going for it, and I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want that to drive 
um, interactions for them, for their providers, for their clinicians, for their care teams, and if, if they give authorization for their caregivers. And so if they have their children, they want to give access to their data and to allow them to, to give them access to their care, then great. Mm -hmm. um, I want it to, that same record, to give different views to different populations to provide the right kind of access at the right moment. Mm -hmm. Let's then go, I'm going to put uh, just a thumb, thumbnail sketch on it, 50 to 20 years from now. So let's say 2040 around there. We are all in self-driving vehicles, right? So highway deaths have plummeted. Um, cities are smarter, maybe entirely smart, so much more efficient use of lighting and resources and flow of traffic. Um, voice integration may be everywhere. Um, who knows what else, what, what other benefits AI is going to bring as far as making our lives more efficient. But again, where is Humana and the services that you provide and also the way the business runs uh, in terms of artificial intelligence in 2040? I'm hoping precision medicine is at its best, mm. right? So that it's truly, it's truly personalized medicine at that point. And um, it's really hard to say where we're going to be, but I hope that um, we all have, right? The ge genomic medicine is at its best and that we actually understand down to an individual well before we even get to the point of being sick that we know what path we're on if we so choose right mm -hmm. i think some people will choose to know what path you're on and some will say i don't want to know anything and i'm going to choose to be on the unbeknownst mm -hmm. um and i think it's going to be possible for you to be able to understand at age 20 what your future looks like mm -hmm. and um, be able to manage your own path but i think some people will choose not to know and i think that's going to be perfectly fine as well but i also think we're going to be on a path by then to also understand that you're going to live to be 150 so <laughs> you're going to have to manage your whole finances and everything else a whole lot differently yeah. <laughs> so i think that's a little <laughs> scarier proposition so yeah putting a lot more power in the consumer's hands mm -hmm. as well um so i began with a welcome uh i should have meant to, i should have delivered it a little less literally too because we at, at CTA, uh, the Consumer Technology Association, we're also welcoming you, Humana, yes. into the folds. Um, so great to have you as a member. Uh, what are you looking for? How did this decision come about for you? Well, our our mission at Humana is to take um, the the health of our members at the center of everything that we do and the health of their communities that they live in. And so we believe technology is the key to unlocking the focus of their health and the focus of their communities. And so um, it makes sense. It's, I think it's a good match for us to be matched with the Consumer Technology Association. And uh, we're excited to be a member. And I think um, the companies that are uh, in your membership are good companies to be uh, colleagues with. And so um, I think we uh, are hanging in good company and I think it's going to be a good experience for us. Maybe that's a new tagline. We'll get hanging in good company. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Um, although you're new to CTA, Heather, you are not new to CES. You've been to no. a number of shows, both in the recent past and the less recent past, we'll, we'll say, uh, mm -hmm. in your various um, positions. And, and what a resume, by the way. That's personal aside. Um, what are you expecting from CES 2020 through this new lens with your focus on digital health, with your focus um, in and of Humana? Um, first of all, I'm always awe-inspired when uh, you, you hit the various kind of floors of CES, mm -hmm. and um, it is it opens your eyes to just um, 
how rapidly the world is moving every year. You're yeah. just kind of just amazed at what leaps have just happened in the past 12 months. And um, what was really fun for me was when I uh, when I hit uh, in 20, I think it was a 2017, just it had been a few years since I'd been and just uh-huh. the you know, gasp you take of just how much you've missed in the last few years of not being there. Um, But I think um, for me now, having a a view through the lens of of healthcare, just um, what can we do to uh, really press our industry um, to go even further? And when I talk about that, it's the, um, we as payers need to press, press harder and harder to um, take the lens of what can we do more for consumers and and how do we take health and and the well-being of our membership even further and and keep it at the core of everything that we do mm-hmm. um, I think Humana has done a beautiful job over the last several years of keeping their their member at the center of every decision they make and um, how do we take that even further and take it to the next level mm-hmm. and I think CES is um, just a bellwether of the companies that show up there um that's what they they excel at they're taking the consumer-centric view of the world and taking it to the next level and we'll be excited to be there um we are aiming um my team is aiming to to show up and to, to have product uh on the floor to show off as well excellent uh, you know, just a okay. little that's one preview, foot. Yeah, that's so. one foot out from beneath mm-hmm. the curtain. Yeah, little, <laughs> many months out. There, right? <laughs> so, um, but we're excited. Um, we we hope to have something very exciting to to be talking about ourselves. So, uh, final question, Heather. What about the conversations you have, the people you meet, the 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 business synergy that you find at CES? Yeah, I think it's. Um, it's always so exciting to find kind of the next business opportunity and partnership for um, what what can we bring to our customer? Um, what is the next new opportunity for an integrated product or service that you just didn't even know existed mm-hmm. before? And that's what's so cool because it could be somebody just even sitting right next door, right next to you, right? <laughs> and um, and I think you always find, um, even if it's not a specific product or service, just the next great idea gets sparked, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm always surprised how frequently that happens to me in an Uber or a Lyft or even a taxi <laughs> on occasion, just sharing a ride yeah. um, gets you a lot of insight. And like you said, you never know whom you're going to wind up next to. Heather Cox is Chief Digital Health and Analytics Officer with Humana, still somewhat fresh to the job. Heather, fascinating discussion. Will you join us again sometime? I would love to. Thank you so All much. Right. And we will see you at CES 2020 in just a few months. Fantastic. Thank you. now is Scott Kim. He is the CEO and the co-founder of a company called Neofect. And Scott, yes, it's great to have you with us. As co-founder, you have an immense amount of responsibility, certainly, but also maybe the strongest vision of anyone in the company as to what Neofect is and what you expect it to be. Yeah, so our vision is like, I mean, our motto has been the same like ever since like our foundation of the company mm-hmm. our motto is uh we inspire hope and i mean as visionary as it sounds as broad as it sounds like that ha- that is, that has been our vision and it is our vision mm-hmm. so basically 
like our belief is that there's a lot of people like who need more health care or who just like need more caring. But at the same time, like not everyone can have the uh, you know similar level of benefit, like in you know especially in in the United States. So I don't know, like growing up in Korea, where healthcare works a little bit differently, and both you know Hoyang, the other founder of the company, and me, you know, and and the other founder Young Choi, like we all had experience like living in the states, and you know we thought like. Technology can help those who are in need, but who are not getting a lot of help. And healthcare has hasn't necessarily been the very first, you know, sector that accepts the uh, like technology. Mm-hmm. So we thought like we could actually like you know help those people like using the technology that's available and that's readily available like on on our end. Let's talk about who who these people are in your mind, Scott. I mean, when you say people who could use this or people who need that, um, some of these, to to speak in in, in pretty direct terms, are um, folks that are going through fairly common traumas, right? Uh, people recovering from stroke, people with perhaps debilitative diseases. These are these are not uncommon issues. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like our like. Target customers or patients are stroke survivors, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of you know like stats that back this up too. But majority of people like who have a stroke, like you know, they end up they end up being staying at a home, and then you know like just you know like just to stay on the couch and watch TV and not do a lot of things like for rehabilitating themselves. Mm. And according to survey and many other things, you know, that we experience like on first hand, it's just because like, you know, some are educational issues. Like some people are just like not aware of the fact that they can get better. And some are, you know, personal issues too. So, but we do know that like, you know, things can get better even after stroke. And the thing is, like, just because of the uh, neuroplasticity, it's it's basically the role of use it or lose it. Mm-hmm. And they just need to keep working on their, you know, brain so that they their brain can start relearning things so that they can engage themselves in day-to-day activities, like, e- more easily and then more actively. So we do want to help these people and they not be... They, they may not be uh, like quite common in, in our lives, but at the same time, it's it's pretty common that, you know, their, like, you know, desire for getting better, getting something that means a lot to them, like, you know, back to their life. Like, this, this, is, this is pretty serious thing. So we've been targeting these, like, stroke survivors, and, like, what we are doing is, like, for them actually to be in an environment where they can actually like you know engaging themselves with the uh, rehabilitation in a in in an easier manner mm-hmm. and more comfortable manner manner like in the comfort of home so paint a picture for everyone who's listening to this Scott, if you would of exactly what uh, your smart glove mm-hmm. is i mean that's primarily the product we're talking about um and i would set it up in that it's looks a lot like an exoskeleton, right, that covers all the fingers and the thumb <laughs> and yeah. goes maybe halfway or, or a third of the way down the forearm. And I will let you take it from there. Sure. Uh, so Smart Glove is, I mean, like the description of the glove is like pretty accurate. And like it's 
I don't know how it looks to you, but it's it's extremely uh, lightweight device. It's four and a half pounds, and it's quite like you know like more light. It's lighter than your smartphone, mm-hmm. so and it's it's not extremely hard to wear too. So we've been really focusing on usability. But the main part is not the hardware itself. Like it's actually the software. And so what it does is that once you wear the glove, then what happens is all the motions that you're making with the glove on, with your own hand, are recognized by the software. So what we're coupling with the glove is the game content. So, for example, we have a lot of like, you know, games that are simulated, you know, into your life. For example, you know, pouring the wine and catching the baseball and cooking and, you know, even like playing billiards and then fishing, things like this. There's a lot of like different content games that you can play. So, for example, if you are thinking about, you know, like the fishing game, then you're making the motion with your own hands. It's kind of like you know, handshaking, like, shake your hands like vertically up and down and but it kind of looks like you're actually like you know like just just you know lifting lifting up the, the the fishing rod like up and down so that you can like start fishing and so doing so actually get your rehabilitation results like you know like like come out faster and then these are all the uh, clinically proven clinically proven activities and Stanford is like one of our clinical partners too. So like going back to the, uh, you know, going back to the, uh, the crux of what we do is we basically deliver like a tablet with the smart glove. And what they do is like they get paired up with one of our clinical managers and who can actually like coach them through like how to use a product and then go through the evaluation result. And then based on the evaluation results, the artificial intelligence actually comes up with the algorithm like on its, by itself. And then like keeps like giving them, you know, like all the different recommendations, just like Netflix works. Netflix already knows like what kind of movies you, you need to watch, you want to watch. Mm-hmm. And our algorithm actually, you know, after the evaluation and basically every time the session ends, like algorithm actually knows like what kind of, you know, games and activities like that they need to uh, engage themselves in and then go through the, uh, basically play the games, but at the same time, they go, they go through the uh, re- rehabilitation process in their journey of stroke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, why We'd be remiss not to talk a bit about your story, Scott, in that you don't come mm-hmm. to this sector, to the marriage of technology, digital health, um, the ability mm-hmm. to deliver mm-hmm. what really are meaningful life-changing benefits through technology by accident. I mean, you have a very personal and, <laughs> and involved story here, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I was actually born with spina bifida. It's a type of disability that anyone can be born with. And it has like you know, probably like 0.01% of population gets born with it. If anyone is a, you know, mother or father, like, you know, this is like one of the diseases that doctor tells you in advance that the kid is going to born with it. And unfortunately, I was, I was one of them. And so that means that I went through a major surgery. And then after the surgery, you know, I went, I had fair share of rehabilitation in my life, like oh, growing up. Wow. So, the thing is, like, 
like I was actually a pretty mild case, so I was pretty lucky like to to get better and then to to get myself engaged into uh, lots of just normal activities mm-hmm. later. And but growing up in South Korea in early eighties, like rehab was like rehabilitation was not my you know like favorite thing like mm-hmm. growing up. So I thought it was pretty boring, and I mean, even in the eyes of, you know, like eight-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, like I really felt like this was kind of aimless, and that this is boring, and I couldn't really tell where I was, and I couldn't really tell, you know, like what it means to be, you know, like successful in terms of rehabilitation. So fast forward, then I came to. Uh, Thornton uh, at the University of Virginia's business school. And then I met another guy who also came from Korea and who had like, you know, like completely different background, but whose father actually like died of stroke. And then he was pretty emotional about this disease. And we met another guy who actually told us that, yeah, we can make something for stroke patients. And this is like, this is like big issue in America and but we can make something more engaging and more like you know like objective way of rehabilitation using the data and then once we heard that idea like both of us like we got really quick for for two different reasons but two relevant reasons so this was very personal to me and just because I you know fast forward I came to America when I was 22 first time and then ever since then you know, I came to UVA later and then had an opportunity to check out, you know, the rehab setting. But, like, surprisingly, you know, like, 1985, 6, South Korea, which was not the same country even, like, back then. And then 2010, 11, like, America. And, like, the rehab setting was not too different. So, meaning that, like, you know, like, I was really telling myself and my other co-founder that, you know, we really have a shot here because, like, it looks like technology is something very distant, seemingly, like in, in American healthcare. Although, you know, this is a country that actually needs all the uh, great technologies and everything. So, yeah, and then, like, once we were really, like, inspired by the idea and then, like, you know, got to see where the healthcare is in this country, then... Yeah, we didn't look back and then like started just like, you know, like working on the idea from then. Getting back to business strategy, Scott, you are a CES veteran. Um, the effect has been at CES a number of years now. 2020 will be your fourth year exhibiting, I believe. Correct me if I've, if I've got the math wrong there. Um, what is your game plan sure. going into the 2020 show? What, what are the lessons you've learned and um, the best way you found to leverage the audience and the attention and the opportunity there? Yeah, so this year definitely like we have like a clear direction about like what we want to achieve like in CES and so far like past you know like three to four years like it's been phenomenal experience like by attending the CES like you know lots of media exposure and I'm really thankful that like we were able to be covered by like you know <clears throat> major major media outlets such as CNN or CNN or Fox TV and everything. So it, it's been so powerful, like, to be able to uh, meet wider audience and, you know, like, get feedback about the product. And so, so far, we've been really, like, focusing on 
delivering what we do and then what this does. And so we've been really focusing on the uh, like functional, you know, aspect and technological aspect. But like this is from this year, we're going to be focusing a lot more on reaching out to a wider audience. Just because like we know how powerful this event CES is and just because like I know you know, like how much support that we can get from CTA, which we really appreciate. We would really love to uh, like focus on, you know, like being able to reach out to a wider audience. So, you know, you may not be uh, the, like there, there's a good chance that you are not a stroke survivor yourself, but everybody knows somebody and somebody knows everybody. And <laughs> so there's a good chance that, you know, like we get to meet people and then get their attention, they talk about it, and then, you know, we can actually, like, start helping, you know, like, broader audience. Scott Kim, CEO, co-founder of Neofect. Great to have you with us today, Scott, and look forward to reconnecting in just a few months at CES 2020. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I'm really looking forward to CES 2020. Thank you. All right, we are here to help you be CES ready. So, Make sure you subscribe to our CES Tech Talk podcast. That way you won't miss a single episode as you're gearing up for the 2020 show. We are on all the platforms where you expect to find a podcast. As for the big show, CES 2020. It is January 7th through the 10th in Las Vegas, as always. The information you need is at ces.tech. Now, none of this is possible without our true stars, executive producer Tina Anthony, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You guys are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.